Welcome into episode number 158 of Agency Journey this week. You've got Gray on the line with Andrew. What's up, buddy? How you doing, my man? Excited to be here. Hey, I'm doing well. Sipping on some uh, hot peppermint tea right now. Mm, side nothing note, says I'm getting old like here's some peppermint tea. Listen, I'll help <laughs> myself. Thank you very much. The kids absolutely love um, peppermint tea, the smell of it. Love it. Not so much the temperature of it. So if I ever would let it get to get back to room temperature, then we'd be in business. Yeah. They'd love a little sweet, little sweet peppermint tea maybe in the fridge. Oh, I'm sure. Without a doubt. Like it always blew my mind growing up how there could be things that smell sweet, but when you taste them, they are not sweet or things that look sweet, but when you taste them are not like Baker's chocolate. That's a good point. I'm trying to think of what smells sweet and doesn't taste sweet. (laughs) Cinnamon, mint. Mm-hmm. You take a whiff of mint tea, you're like, oh, that smells delicious. That's no. true. Okay. Not if you're looking for something different. So I'm working with these you. Are the, these are the things that young Andrew had to deal with. <laughs> Speaking of mental mistakes, that's the thing <laughs> I want to talk about here today was uh, the mindset of being an owner. And obviously we'll talk about it primarily in the context of owning an agency, but I don't think that what we're going to talk about exclusively applies. In fact, I know it doesn't exclusively apply to agencies. So what prompted this was I was proofreading an email that you wrote. Is that for our nurturing sequence or is that going out to, uh, is it, is that going out as a content piece? I proofed it. So I should know. Uh, yes. Repurposing. Okay. Like so I said, that email that everyone um you were talking about the owner's mindset though and the difference between yeah. like the winning owner's mindset and the losing owners i think you said loser owner it's like oh man that sounds harsh but probably accurate um what prompted you writing about the owner's mindset well it's been like in the back of my head for a while of like how do you how do you protect your mindset because it's like if you're owning a business and you're trying to build something up like after what we've gone through the last few months, like I've been very conscious of where is my mind at right now? Like what am I telling myself? Where am I? Like what's my environment looking like? And all of those sorts of things. And I was on the phone with one of our clients the other day, um, one of our agency accelerator clients. And this, this lady's awesome. Um, she's like, she is a sales rock star. Her problem is she's selling too much. And now when she sells and she brings things she kills something and drags it back to the cave, so to speak. Delivery's flopping. So the delivery team is all over the place. They've got talented people. They've got clients that see results, but like everyone's hair is on fire and they feel like something's going to fall through the cracks. And they've been going through the agency accelerator for a couple of months now and they're just not seeing the traction that they wanted. Um, and the issue is like they're, they're tuning in and they're turning, tuning out. Like you can come on a call, you can get fired up, you can learn stuff and then you can go home and not do anything. Like, it's the key in anything that you do is to learn and implement and learn and implement and do it in small pieces. So they're not doing that. They're struggling with it. And so we're on the call, we're talking through this and I lay that out to her pretty clearly. Uh, this is why nothing's happening. And she, in that moment could have pointed fingers at the team. She could have pointed fingers that she was dealing with clients that she's been traveling all over the world, but she laid it out. She's like, Andrew, the whole process is right there. All we need to do is implement it. And that was a great snapshot right there of what is a winning owner's mindset because a loser owner 
they're the ones that are pointing fingers and there's always an excuse, but the winning owner owns themselves and says that, yeah, my team was meant to do stuff that they didn't do. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with me and I own that. And until you get to that state where you're owning your stuff, like you're not going to grow because you've got to realize like there's always these stair steps. There's always different plateaus you hit as you're growing a business. Like you're going to shed clients. You're going to shed team members. You're going to shed like your own vision of what you're able to do at these different layers. And if you can't own where you are and see clearly what's the problem, dude, how do you go anywhere? Right? Yeah. We looked through that personally, but also, I mean, it's so like everything, it's so much easier to identify in other people, the agency owners where you get on the call and it's just like you start asking because everything, it, I feel like most of the time, like with anything, the least confident people often put up or some subset of people with low confidence put up a, um, you know, a lofty pretense. And so you hear the picture of how the agency is going and you start pushing on some things and figuring out like, oh, maybe it's not as fine and dandy as it sounded like at first glance. And when you dig into why those things are, mm-hmm. because most of the context where we're talking to people is a context where they're coming to us for help of some yeah. sort. And so if everything's as good as you're telling me, then why are we talking right now? And then it turns out mm-hmm. there are some problems. And when you dive in more, just the stark difference between the majority of people who, um, that's because I had a bad partner and he hasn't picked up his side of the business the way that he should have ever. That's because, um, I, I just can't like, you cannot millennials leave jobs so quickly. Like you can't hire anybody who's responsible or get there and, um, who can actually do the things that they said they could do during their interview. Um, whatever else it is, or, you know, we have a client who didn't pay us or we have all these, all these different issues. And it's just wild to see, how predictable the results are between the people who approach things that way and the people who own the problems and move forward from them. We've had a lot of those stories on the podcast too. I think it's someone like Bob Ruffalo at impact Mm -hmm. had a lot of things that were happening. Like they weren't his own issues. I mean, they were his own issues, but they weren't his own issues in the sense that it wasn't like he was controlling the behavior of other people. Um, but he and the core team kind of picked up, like ultimately recognized this is our business. It's not someone else's business. So it doesn't matter who caused the problem. It's my problem and we need to deal with it and we need to fix it. Um, and obviously there's you know, no problem that we're left with. It was never our, we didn't have anything to do with creating it. That very yeah. rarely happens. Most of the time you do need, you have, you own some responsibility anyways, but as the owner, that's the privilege that you get is you're responsible for everything. You want all the upside or a chunk of the upside. And so along with that comes the, uh, you know, all the downside or the responsibility, however you choose to look at that. But owning it, I think you're right on. Yeah, because it's, you got to own it before you can deal with it. Because if all you're doing is pointing to other people, you're not going to address the root of the problem, number one. And number two, you're not going to be a leader that those folks want to follow. So another theme I've been hearing a lot lately is that there's mindset differences between the owner and the employee. Shock. But a lot of owners don't realize that. Like, And when you're getting your agency going and you're scaling, some of those first team members are usually the multiple hat people. Like You're kind of hiring people that are similar to you in that sense. 
So there's kind of this expectation that I'll put you here and you will develop process, you will develop system to solve this segment of the business. But as you scale, you can't have people in that role. Because if I have 10 people on my team that are all developing their own processes and systems, like you get mm-hmm. all these different convoluted processes out there and they're all just stuck in everyone's head. What your team needs as they grow and as they scale and as they begin to specialize in a specific role within the organization is they need clearly defined expectations. They want to know what's a win. They need to know what's expected of them. They need to know what's next. Like, how's my career doing here? Like, where am I going? And so when agency owners level up to that side, there's a huge shift in the mindset where you and I, we don't need anyone to tell us what to do. Like, we don't need a structured process. Like, we'll go out there and make it. If I hit a problem, I make a process. Like, it's just ingrained in how we operate. But for team members, it's different. So as an owner, like you're facilitating this whole thing and you've got to own something, say, this is my responsibility. Now, as the owner, how do we communicate that out to the team? And if I just point my finger and I chew you out in front of everybody else for dropping the ball on something, for losing a client, whatever it is, like that's not going to create that healthy culture that you need and you're going to wind up spinning your wheels in the mud rather than you know gaining traction and moving things forward. Right. I have uh, one personal example from our experience here and then two kind of side tangents. And as a, as a third tangent, one thing that I learned here recently was you never want to set yourself up that way. The way that I just did, you never want to say I have three reasons why this, or I have X number of whatever, because instantly your brain is trying to like, as you go along, you've already put that, you've already boxed yourself into pressure of what you're going to come up with. So you don't want to set yourself up to now have to try and scramble. And now I've got to try and think as I'm trying to explain my first personal experience, I have to make sure that I hold in the back of my head, the two tangents that I promised were coming. So there's a, a mistake that I made. Um, that you can all learn. Owning it, Gray. Look at that, speaking, guys. In real time. <laughs> speaking of a personal experience, though, the software space has changed dramatically in the last mm-hmm. five years from when we started what was due inbound um, until now. So we talked a couple weeks ago about the big transition that we made. And the easy thing for us to do, making the decision about where we were going to pivot the business, how we were going to change the the channel that we took to deliver the the results and deliver on the mission that we'd set out with. Um, the easy thing to do is just look at the software space and say, like, it's crazy. Like things have just changed so quickly in the environment and ecosystem around us. And we don't want to raise money, but that's what you have to do if you want to keep scaling this. And until we got to got comfortable with the fact that it has changed and that's not an environment problem the world doesn't revolve around us like that's our problem to deal with is how are we going to react and respond to that um that finally i think freed us up to make more of a decision of okay this is our future this is our business this is the decision that we need to make around what we're going to do and um and make the hard decision and take action on it and yeah um and obviously that this place now feels uh much better and much different than stuck <laughs> in the limbo of there's no answer for it. Um, yeah. Just the way that things have shifted. So yeah. the two tangents that I was going to go on, one was, I love the point that you just brought up around how the roles change so quickly from an early stage to a little bit more mature agency, Yeah, even just in headcount. Um, but there's a lot of different ways that that changes and how so frequently we use the cliche or like the, you know, the same people who got you there won't get or got you here. Won't get you there. Yeah. That's the easiest thing to say. 
but I feel like that kind of is pointing outwards towards like uh, the people they were good early on, but they're not good now and blaming people instead of, you know, we don't understand how much our business has changed so quickly and how the whole environment and ecosystem, like really for, from an employee perspective, like what got them here won't get them there. So we got them here. Now we're a completely different place than where we were and we need to understand they're going on a journey. And Mm -hmm. so not, not point the fingers and be upset. Um, when, when people leave that, how can there be no loyalty in this world anymore? If the journey wasn't, uh, you know, if, if you're going to use that cliche uh, to point fingers or to pass the buck at all, then don't anticipate that the other side won't do the same thing. Yeah. So I guess that's like, that kind of prompts before you go on your next tangent, Yep. that kind of prompts the point of like, how do we as owners put ourselves in a position where we're constantly gaining perspective on ourselves because if all we do is live on the wheel doing whatever our routine is as owners we don't take time to step back and evaluate how do we notice that those changes happen because it's like growing up with a kid like my daughter june she's going to be two here in october and she looks the exact same because every day i'm with her so every day like i don't see those dramatic changes but when we get together like months can go by before we see each other's kids so when we see that it's like oh dude they grew so much like what the heck it's like if you're not taking regular time out of the business to look at it and look at yourself too like you're not going to see how those things are changing and you're not going to be able to proactively put plans and processes in place to deal with those changes you're instead reactively dealing with client fires, team fires, midlife crisis, like burnout, like all of the crap that honestly most people listening right now are in the middle of. Mm -hmm. Um, So perspective there in the midst of agency life being crazy is perhaps the greatest gift that you can start giving yourself today. Budget doesn't count. Like you just carve time out in the calendar. You have as much time as Elon Musk, who's very busy today. So. Go make it happen. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I 100% agree with that. And having the third, like the third party, I think can't be ignored either. The fact that True. you do have a responsibility to be in your business. You're going to be in your business more than anybody else is. Um, so have those friends who can come look at your kids and tell you how much they've grown and how encouraging it is, the steps that they've made, or discouraging the way that they're behaving, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> Um, but who, someone else who can, love. <laughs> who can, um, who can give you some of those insights as well and encouragement or direction from the outside. Yeah. I think is a good principle. The other thing I was going to say was until you own things, I think it's very easy to overlook what you're doing to cause that problem. Like I said, a lot of those problems are not a hundred percent externally caused. So I was doing a strategy session with an agency owner the other day they're trying to sell retainers as much as possible. They lead with a lot of projects and an average project is like a couple thousand dollars and an average retainer right now is right around a thousand dollars. But they've got people on retainer as low as $400. And I think the highest one's like 3,500 or something. And so this, he was just telling me about how his main role, what he mostly wants to do is sales and, um, that he's such a good salesperson. Like that part is not a problem at all. He closes most of the deals that he walks into, but then they wind up getting stuck with these really low budget retainers and like the delivery team just can't keep up with it and they're stuck. And so it, it was 
kind of a classic example of like my team is just not like they're not able to to keep up with me and do this and i said um first i asked i said can i have your permission to offend you i'm not sure whether this is right or wrong but what i'm going to probably say like what i'm going to say might offend you and he said yeah that's fine which i appreciate it i try and ask in some cases before i say something that's <laughs> offensive but um then i asked a couple questions about what was going into the retainers and stuff and i said like there's a good chance that the reason that you're so good at sales right now is because what you're selling is a no brainer for people. I don't know why I wouldn't like, if you'll sell me what you just said went into that $800 retainer, mm-hmm. I'll become your customer right now. Do you want to sell that to me? And do you want to put that on your delivery team again? And I really would have paid for it because it was crazy. All the stuff that they're doing. They're basically an outsourced marketing department. Um, now obviously I would have been, I would have known that the long term of this, like this will fail because there's no way to, <laughs> to do this. Um, but, but basically an outsourced marketing department for like whatever a client needs that's included in unlimited support on top of the social posting and content creation and all this and website maintenance and everything else. And, um, so anyways, that led to a conversation, but as long as you go around thinking like I'm owning the sales side and that's groovy and my delivery team can't keep up, like I can't keep up because you don't have the budget to hire the right people or to have enough of the right people. Like this is a problem that even though it's on the delivery side, it's created by sales because your need for validation and your need for approval and your need for being able to close deals, you're not comfortable with a close rate that drops down to 40% or 30% or, mm-hmm. you know, a sub 70% where you're closing right now. Like that's your first tell that you're pricing way too low and delivering too much is if everybody wants it, why are you leaving it on the table? And even just to break down and say, um, if you doubled your, retainer price right now but you cut your like would you be willing to sacrifice half your close rate for that and that didn't click right away like i said that now but there's probably some people even listening where it doesn't click right away if you do that you will make exactly the same amount of money and do half the work that you're doing currently that is a that is a bargain that's a good deal that's what you're trying to figure out and you need to, i realize a lot of us have dysfunctional relationships with money and with our need for approval and i'm first among those but um, we have to be comfortable and look for opportunities to create value and then to capitalize on that value as well mm-hmm. so that we can build a sustainable business and better serve our clients in the long run. I love what Jonathan Dane from Client Boost, when he was on the podcast, talked about charge enough so I don't have to charge more to his clients. And I think at that point, maybe an average retainer was around 10 grand. Um, but it was something where they could have delivered the services. I probably need to be careful about what I say. Uh, for a specific now that I've said who was, but something where you could deliver the services much cheaper, but by mm-hmm. charging more, you're able to exceed that and exceed the expectation. Clients not disappointed; they're getting way more than that in value. Yeah. Uh, so as long as you're delivering it, charge for it. Yeah. Again, dude, like looking at yourself through an honest lens, and if you have a hard time doing that by yourself, that's when like a mentor or a coach or like some third party needs to come in and just, you need to be open and coachable to that person to, to bring them in and allow them to speak. It's okay to be offended. Like if you're not being offended as an owner, like if you can't offend yourself, <laughs> then you should allow people to offend you from the outside. And I think like subconsciously, most of us are most, most business owners kind of have an imposter syndrome like even as you grow you've never been where you are before because every day is new um but like you think about like everyone that's true of everyone that's true of the the fortune 100 ceos like 
they've never been where they are before today because like we're all living today for the first time. So we, it's easy to, to break ourselves down into kind of when we have a bad day, a slump day, like weigh it on, like how crappy I am and like I don't, I don't deserve it or whatever the lies are that we tell ourselves. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like negativity. I'm talking about actually doing constructive criticism on yourself and say, okay, where am I weak? What are the gaps right now that I'm not seeing? Can I look at my, myself through a different lens? Um, and even for like you and I as co-founders, this was my theme for the talk up at HubSpot's partner day this year. How does understanding your roles and your personalities as visionary and integrator change the way you communicate, change the way you think about like stuff Gray says to me, stuff I say to Gray, like those perspective shifts are key to ownership and key mm-hmm. to like grasping a situation and maximizing where you are. Because if you flounder here, like that's when you start rolling backwards. Yeah. I think probably the healthy perspective comes from when you really own it. Where if you really own it, you understand I can't stay. Like I, I own this problem and staying down in the dumps isn't going to, that doesn't yeah. accomplish anything or help anything. I just need to be honest mm-hmm. about this. Today. Realistically, we all have strengths and weaknesses. That's okay. Get comfortable with it. Okay. Here's a weakness I have. What's the action plan? How do we improve that? Who do I need to bring in to help? What are the things I can do? What are the habits I can rhythms and routines I can build and put in place here mm-hmm. and have accountability on or talk about with my team to support this and get through this. So, yeah. Man, there's a lot there. We could go on for a long time, but um, I think just breaking it, trying to break down uh, what you mean by owner's mindset is helpful and encouragement um, to you listening of take that responsibility. um, Make sure that you are constantly evaluating what's happening Mm -hmm. in your world with the business, uh, with you personally and, gaining insights from the outside as well. Um, all those things are helpful. So anything else that you'd add in there before we wrap it up? Yeah. Just one thought, like when you're approaching it, doing it with a thankful heart from a place of gratitude that as a business owner, you have the independence to make these decisions because there's people who are stuck in the middle of bureaucracy at jobs or in corporations or whatever that like, Sure, they can look at themselves, but they can't change anything around them. Like we are in the best spot because we can pivot like that. And so the only thing holding us back is our ability to like assess the situation, identify the bottlenecks, and put a plan to overcome those. Good stuff. All right, we'll wrap it up there uh, here for episode 158. And we'll talk to you again next week um, in episode 159. Have a good one. See you guys.